I got another injury. So on this episode, I'm going to talk about it. Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things health, wellness, and injuries in an attempt to better understand the human body. This is episode 116. And well, I've done it again. I've injured myself. And uh, if you listen to the podcast on a regular basis, some of the past episodes, I've discussed these injuries from my perspective as a therapist that deals with people in pain on a regular basis and how I've navigated my own injuries. So I'm just getting over another one. This one was not very comfortable to say the least. And so I would thought I would talk about the injury that I gave myself and then just give a little bit of background, general background about these injuries in general and how I have helped myself to get over it in hopes to just educate people moving forward about these style of injuries because it was probably, the, if not the most painful, one of the more painful things that I've had happen to me. So I'll give you a bit of a background as to what went on. So I was at the park training my 15-month-old puppy, and we were doing uh, retrieval training, and I was throwing a toy for him to go and get. And the irony of this is, is this, this had happened to me It's actually happened to me on a number of occasions, but I guess it took something really bad for me to decide to make a change around it. So it actually had happened to me two weeks prior and I was getting over it and it it wasn't nearly as bad as uh, what had happened this time. So essentially he's on a, a long nylon line or leash about 20 feet long just so he doesn't run away and I've got control over him. So he, uh, I threw the toy and he went to go and fetch it, which is what he was supposed to do. And I stepped over the leash to avoid my left leg. And as he took off, the leash started to wrap around my right ankle. And so this had happened to me a couple weeks prior. So what I was doing was I was trying to avoid it happening again. So I was stepping over it with my my left leg to avoid my left leg getting hurt again and it happened to my right leg so how foolish uh, of me I felt kind of silly after it all happened the other unfortunate thing is that I was wearing ankle socks at the time I wasn't wearing high socks so this nylon rope starts to wrap around my ankle as he's taking off and he's a 65 pound uh, hunting line yellow lab so he was really going and my fear because this is happening very fast, but very slow. And the kind of eerie, eerie piece about it is you can hear the line tightening up. And if the line doesn't release from your leg, I'm thinking that there's a high likelihood that I'm either going to break my leg or dislocate my ankle because he has a tendency to keep going. And so that's really what I'm kind of scared about as this is happening. 
And so I didn't really know what to do, so I just screamed. And luckily, uh, he stopped and laid down. However, the damage had already been done. So the rope had already been wrapped around my ankle, and he had already been pulling on it. And so essentially what it was doing was it was burning me as he was running. And so what I ended up with was a, a friction burn around my entire ankle from the long line. So this brings up this, this topic of burn injuries, of which I hadn't really had anything major happen outside of, you know, you can get burned a number of ways, but obviously the most common is from heat, like hand on a stove, hand on a hot pan, that type of thing. And I'd had this happen a few times throughout my life, nothing major, kind of a small first degree burn. When we talk about burns, there are four primary categories, which I'm sure you've heard the terms used. A lot of those are related to how much of the skin is or layers of the skin is damaged. So first degree burns are what the majority of people will have experienced. These are considered to be superficial burns and in the mild burn category. So for example, a sunburn, a low, low grade sunburn would be a superficial burn. Sometimes these can blister. Um, Generally people do very well with them. There's no scarring on the skin. As a result, they can obviously still be quite painful. A second degree burn is also something known as partial thickness burn. And that affects not only the top layer of the skin, which is the epidermis, epa meaning outside. So our top layer of skin is called the epidermis, but then underneath it, we have another layer, kind of tougher layer of skin known as the dermis. And so second degree burns, they affect both layers. They affect the dermis and the epidermis. And the degree of dermal damage in a second degree burn is quite variable. So depending upon how much damage of the dermis you have, this will result in obviously substantially longer healing time and the potential for scarring. If the dermal layer stays relatively intact, then the chances that you'll make full recovery without a scar are quite good. We then get into the more substantial, even again, third degree burns, which are full thickness burns. They go through both layers of the skin, the dermis and the epidermis. Um, And this usually results in a change in color of kind of a lot of burns that are first and second degree are more red. These burns can appear black, brown, yellow, or uh, even white in nature. Uh, The last is a fourth degree burn, which is the deepest level of burn it and, and sorry, looping back to third degree burns, it can also affect deeper tissue. So fascial tissue, which is the covering around our, our muscles and tendons and areas where bone attaches to muscle as well. Fourth is the most severe type. It can potentially be life-threatening depending upon what areas of the body are burnt and it destroys the skin, often bones, muscles, tendons along with it. So the majority of these burns are happen through contact with, with heat or things that are very, very cold. But you can also get these friction-style burns, which is what I got. Um, And when we talk about friction-style burns, probably the most common are kind of road rash injuries that you might get in uh, mountain biking or road biking. So this is what I ended up with, uh, kind of a either a high-grade first-degree or a low-grade second-degree burn. And when I had done it and this had happened... I was five minutes from the park, I was walking home, and I knew that this wasn't going to be the quickest turnaround time for healing. It wasn't really sore on the day of, and this isn't uncommon for burns, and the more substantial the burn that you have, 
um, early on, there can be points where there isn't that much pain associated with it. Uh, but I knew that because it wasn't really that sore on day one, that probably wasn't the greatest sign. So day one, I went home, I cleaned it, I dressed it, and I put polysporin on it. I did that for the day, and then I took the dressing off at night to let things air out. The type of dressing that I used, I needed something more than a standard Band-Aid, so I used a Tegaderm padded bandage. Tegaderm is a, a material that is kind of the, the waterproof uh, Band-Aid material. I think it was developed by 3M, but don't quote me on it. And so you can get varying kind of degrees of kind of standardized commercial Tegaderm, or you can get more surgical grade Tegaderm. Uh, and that's what I was using to, to wrap it. I essentially had a 360 degree burn all the way around my, my ankle um, at the level of the ankle bones or the medial and lateral malleolus and all the way around the backside of my Achilles tendon. It was or is still, I guess, uh, at the worst on the inside of the ankle between the Achilles and the medial malleolus is probably a, about an inch and a half high and really the whole length of the inner, inner ankle at that point. The other thing that I was concerned with because of the, the size of it was potentially getting an infection. And so I was really diligent at making sure that the wound was clean and continued to monitor it for signs of infection. And if it wasn't going to turn around in the first two days or it wasn't heading, sorry, in the right direction within the first two days, I was going to go and see my, my family physician uh, regarding it. Some of the things that you're looking for in general with any type of wound is uh, swelling, heat, redness, increased pain, um, alteration in color of the wound or any type of sign of infection, so purulent uh, discharge or pus. Swelling, when we talk about swelling, there can be like regional swelling around the wound or a burn, but we're talking about like is the ankle getting swollen, is the ankle red, really, really hot to the touch and incredibly painful, or is even the lower limb um, starting to swell, so is the calf getting a little bit swollen and feeling hard and this is far away from where the actual wound is. If any of those things happen, this is a sign that a potential larger, more broad-based infection can be happening, and that's not something you want to wait on. You want to get that um, managed very, very quickly, starting probably oral antibiotics, again, at the guidance of your physician. So I was continuing to monitor for signs of infection, and I did that wound dressing for about 7 to 10 days and I wish I could say that it was gradually getting better, but that just wasn't true. It was getting substantially worse as the days went on and it started to heal. And so I was managing pain with over-the-counter medication, ibuprofen once or twice a day, depending upon the day, and was taking it as needed. One of the things that commonly comes up with any type of injury is, is pain and the importance of trying to break the pain cycle um, one of the most challenging things for me was I was having to continue to work and it was incredibly uncomfortable to wear a shoe. So I was treating basically in sock feet, but even at times it was incredibly uncomfortable to wear socks. And the other thing that was uncomfortable was that the Tegaderm bandage is so adhered to the skin because it makes the wound waterproof. It was even uncomfortable to wear. So just having the bandage on it was 
was really quite uncomfortable. As it started to heal, it became um, substantially more painful. I was walking with a, a visible limp. And as a result of that, my Achilles tendon started to hurt. My calf and my ankle started to, to get really sore as well. So what are some things that I did to try and manage some of the discomfort along with medication? I was doing some self-treatment, just sort of self-massage to the calf. I was trying to work on just ankle mobility and to try and keep the tissue around the area moving, trying to not wear shoes when possible and reduce my activity. Again, it was really, really hard to just even walk the dog or walk around work. So I was just trying to take it easy. And that probably went on from day three to day probably 10 um, until I started to turn the corner and I was walking with less of a limp as it started to heal. I would say now I'm, I think I'm like day 16 or 17 and the discomfort is finally almost gone and I can walk pretty normally again without a limp. So that's been really, really refreshing. But uh, from, uh, like I said, early on until about a week and a half, it was very, very painful. And that whole lower leg essentially below the knee was incredibly, incredibly achy. Fortunately for me, I was still able to sleep well at night. There was no pain really at night when I wasn't weight bearing. The primary thing that was aggravating my symptoms was, was just applying weight to it and kind of loading the Achilles tendon. So one of the great things for me is that when your sleep isn't disrupted, it does kind of help break the pain cycle for you and you're not having to take medication to get to sleep or anything like that. And you're not sacrificing your sleep, which is potentially having negative downstream effects to stress management and everything else in general. Also lucky for me, I didn't get any more upstream effects of pain above the knee. I wasn't getting any hip pain or low back pain. This was even though I was walking with quite a pronounced limp. Brings me to now, um, which I'm about two and a half weeks out from the injury. Everything is good. There was no infection. Back to my activities of daily living, mostly. Still a little bit of discomfort, but overall doing quite well. So what I want to talk about is what did I learn from this injury? And I know one of the one of the previous injuries I talked about was a knee injury. This was the most painful thing that I've had happen to me. And it sounds kind of weird saying that because if you looked at the mechanism of injury or I verbalized it to someone about what happened. It's pretty silly and innocuous, the kind of accident, uh, but definitely it is the thing that caused the most pain as well as the most sort of disruption to my activities of daily living, which made things quite challenging. Burns are painful and the only thing that I kept thinking about repeatedly was people that have had substantial burn injuries more so than this are just absolute warriors in their rehab. And I'm aware of what the rehab consists of. And I understand that this is probably going to be very, very painful process, but I never really had anything to gauge or relate to. And this is minute and tiny compared to what those um, individuals have to go through. So I think that that gave me a whole new perspective on people that have suffered from these injuries and then the process that they would have to go through to get back to whatever their pre-injury status was or their new relative normal following the injury. I think that 
I don't know this for a fact, but I imagine that the process of the rehab is more painful than the actual injury itself. And getting someone to move or tissue to move that is incredibly uncomfortable, aggravating, is something that, again, every injury that I go through or anything that happens to me where I'm in pain, it is a very interesting lesson that I learn about communicating to the people that I see on a regular basis that are in pain. I think that it makes you more empathetic. It makes you more understanding. And it's not just black and white. For example, I have an ankle injury. My calf's really sore. I'm walking with a limp. I can't really go on daily walks with the dog. So that's affecting him. I am having to alter how I work. It leads to a lot of frustration. It leads to a lot of inconvenience when your activities of daily living and your routine has to change depending upon who you are as a person. Some people welcome this more than others. Having a better understanding of how pain and any type of symptom that someone is experiencing that's really, really frustrating, I think is always, um, there's always a positive to come from going through that experience that's not necessarily particularly pleasant. This just goes to show that, and I've talked about this on other episodes, that pain is really a full experience. Pain and injury and all of the things that we do have a number of factors that they affect and a number of factors that are involved in the experience of pain. Pain can be biology. It can be that tissue that's healing. Pain can be psychology, the frustration that you're feeling as a result of not being able to do your activities of daily living. Pain can have... Um, social determinants and and social factors that are involved. So withdrawal from social activities, change in routine, and those can have deleterious effects as well. So really understanding that while there can be biological sources of pain, there almost always are inevitably other downstream effects that need to be managed, talked about, um, and potentially uh, allowing people to have an opportunity to talk about their frustrations and or making some suggestions around activities of daily living that might be able to replace, uh, modify, or eliminate these frustrating barriers to recovery can sometimes be helpful. The understanding that changing lifestyle habits can sometimes only be kind of a temporary hurdle, but it is even more challenging if the lifestyle habit has to become a permanent change. So for example, a person has to remove a sport or they can't do their job or a number of different things in life that might have to be disrupted as a result of of an injury. And this can be really, really hard to navigate um, what the new normal is. And lastly, but maybe most importantly, was patience. I'm not a very patient person. I'm patient in certain elements of my life, but when my life is disrupted and my daily routines because I am quite routine oriented get disrupted it causes me a lot of anxiousness frustration it just really affects me so um, understanding the process allowing the process to take its course which is much more easier said than done enjoy life in other ways and make modifications to your lifestyle where you're not just sitting and waiting Because if you are in pain or you do have an injury and you're going through something that could be long-standing, so for example, you just had knee surgery and you know that the recovery might be six to nine months, 
it's much better to try and adopt, or at least for me anyway, it's much better to try and adopt new habits or change your lifestyle in a way where you're still able to include as much of your old lifestyle as possible rather than eliminating everything, particularly if these are things that you really enjoy doing. So when people come in to see me that are in pain, I try to keep everything in as much as possible, either with modification or as it is now, mainly because that's what people enjoy. And we have a conversation around that. You know, are these things that you enjoy? Is there something that you would be willing to eliminate? Yes or no. If that is not the case, can we modify it in a way that is non-painful and you're still able to do it? So that's really my goal when I see people is, especially if they're doing things that they love to do, can they continue to run, but it's less, either frequently or less distance? Can we put them in a shoe or a compression short or a compression sock, for example, that allows them to run pain-free? Are they able to run, for example, downhill pain-free, but uphill aggravate them? Can we make those uh, little modifications to the program that allow people to keep behaviors in that are positive for them, particularly when they are positive influences for their health. So in the context of myself, I'm putting in anywhere from 15,000 to 20,000 steps per day. And we know that there's a lot of research on the benefits of just step count equating to essentially you being a little bit more active throughout your day. So that's having for me going from 15,000 to 20,000 all the way down to three to 5,000 steps for a couple of weeks. That's bound to have some uh, not great uh, consequences or effects as a result of that. However, it's sort of a necessary evil that has to happen. So are there ways that I can up my activity level during that time? Can I do more resistance training? Can I just rest and do more meditation, for example? What can I add that's positive versus just continuing to view what has been removed from me as negative? So that was a really big learning experience. But again, I think that for me trying to see things on the positive light, there's always something to learn from me going through an injury when I'm on the other side of it, um, when I'm often the one that's helping guide people through the process. And I think that I definitely learned a lot from this one because it was the one that was the most painful for me and the one that caused me to have to make a lot of changes to my activities of daily living. So my question for you uh, this week is, have you ever had something substantial from a burn perspective happen to you or even uh, a longer term injury that has really affected your activities of daily living? And how did you help uh, get over that? Or what did you do to maintain positivity throughout? I'd love to know in the comments below. As always, folks, I hope that you found this episode to be of value to you. Have yourselves a great weekend and we will see you in the next one. Thank you.